Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Executive Director of Worship Resources and Director of Music Ministries. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Lisa Hancock, Director of Worship Arts. During this time of transition from virtual to online and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today's podcast, we want to talk about our resources for the Advent and Christmas seasons that are coming up. First of all, really? Are we that close? Is it time to do that? (laughs) What happened to summer, for heaven's sakes? But I've been getting emails from other publishers and and worship groups saying, get ready for Advent, so I guess we've got Mm. to do that too. Besides, I've been working on the Easter series, trying to get ahead of things, so I have to change my brain in order to come back and talk about Advent. You got to back it up. That's right, exactly. That's right. Even though it still seems early to me, but it's not really. We're we're ending September when we record this. It'll probably be posted in October, so who knows? But we've done something a little different this year, and we wanted to present that to you so that you're prepared when you go to the website, umcdiscipleship.org, and look at the worship planning pages, and there you can find all of our worship series that we have posted so far. But we took Advent as a series in and of itself. So the four weeks of Advent are a separate series, and then we collected a number of Christmas observances of different things, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but we created that as a separate series. So Advent is shorter this year because we usually include Christmas Eve and and the Sundays after Christmas all the way up to Epiphany, but this year we didn't. So, So four weeks of Advent and then some special services, partly because, we did that partly because Christmas Day is a Sunday this year. Now, I don't know what your opinion about that is. Maybe we should have talked about that a little bit first. You can't my change personal, it. <laughs> well, I know, but my personal opinion is that it should always be on a Sunday. Mm. I think we should we should make that move. I don't know. What do you think, Lisa? Do you think we should have Christmas on a Sunday, like Easter? Yeah, I I love the the parallel that happens there, right? The parallel of Easter um, being always on a Sunday, Christmas, it kind of like roots us in the calendar in a really particular way that just doesn't feel the same when Christmas is on like a Thursday. Right. No. Yeah, but but let's be practical. You know, we've all we've all served what? churches. And so how many services do you do the night before? We used to do four. And so then we get up and we come back to church. You know, it's not, it hasn't even been 12 hours. Yeah. And so we're back at church doing another service. And then we have to do a different kind of service that, you know, has brunch or something. Bring Come in your pajamas kind of service. <laughs> so that's the practical aspect. of it. I'm just naming it for people who are listening. I, I know. I hear you. I hear you. And that's true. But I think if it was always on a Sunday, we would we would have created a different process. And so we wouldn't have that. Mm. But you're right. Uh, the way things are, it, it'll be a burden. It'll be a burden for 
choirs, it'll be a burden for preachers, it'll be a burden for worship teams. We understand that. And yet there's a joy in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so our hope is that as you're preparing through the season of Advent and whatever special Christmas events are, are happening, that you're managed to hold on to that joy and that invitation. That's what we really want to see. Don't talk about how much work it is, because it is work, and everybody understands that. But talk about the joy of the Mm -hmm. season and get everybody on board for that. So let's start with those four weeks of Advent. We titled our series, An Advent Song of Ascents. The Psalms of Ascent are psalms that were done as pilgrimage psalms on their way to the temple. They were rising up. You know, the temple is always up. You always go up to the temple, whatever direction you're going, whether you're coming from Mm -hmm. the south or from the north or wherever you're going up to the temple. Partly that is geographical. The temple was up on a high hill. Jerusalem was higher than, than the places around them. But partly is the theological understanding so that we're moving up. So we grabbed a hold primarily for the series of the book of Isaiah and the Psalms as the themes that walk us through this season. And so for four weeks, we are, we are engaged in this celebration, this pilgrimage as we're making our way. Now, as you know, you who've been doing worship, leading worship for all those years, Advent has to have a bifocal vision. I put that in one of the planning mm-hmm. notes. This bifocal. On the one hand, we look back. We're remembering. We're preparing for the celebration of, of Christmas again. That's always there. But Advent's really about looking forward, about to the coming of the kingdom, about Christ's return, about the establishment of all these things that we are longing for and that we are hoping for. And so we've always got to balance that. The practical side of this, to grab a hold of Diana's term, but she's going to make us be practical this time. (laughs) The practical side is we are surrounded by a culture that loves Christmas Mm. and loves talking about Christmas and everything leans into Christmas. And so we have this debate and maybe we can share the debate a little bit in a moment. Do we sing Christmas songs? Do we sing Advent songs? Do we have enough Advent songs to get us through oh, yeah. until right. we get to Christmas? And how do we learn and teach some of those kinds of things? Are we preparing for Christmas? Do we decorate the sanctuary with all the Christmas stuff from from the last Sunday in November all the way through to Christmas? Or do we do it slowly and build into that? That's, that's our struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. But how do we maintain this call, this invitation to to long for what is not yet, but was is on the way. And in fact, something we begin to live out as the church community. We are the sign of the coming kingdom by how we live together. It it seems to me, Derek, that, you know, as as you're naming things, that it's about this tension. And it's a creative tension, right? That we, as you said, balance. We balance looking back, looking forward. We balance light and darkness because Isaiah brings in all that wonderful imagery. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. But it's this whole balancing. And and of course, as you're saying, the culture, which is saying, you know, 10 days till Christmas or whatever. And then the day after Christmas, Christmas is over. And we're going, it just started. We got 12 days. (laughs) And so, but we, it's that tension we have to keep. And it's, 
I find it uh, to be not a negative thing. I think we can talk about it and say, yeah, anticipation is a really good thing here. And speaking specifically about the hymns, let's not <laughs> let's wait and we'll do joy to the world, but let's wait till we get much closer to the 24th. So anyway. No, I, I, I think that's, that's part of the struggle of, of what we're trying to do is how do we keep that balance? The scripture texts, even if you don't just look at Isaiah and the Psalms and you grab some of them, they're not the Christmas texts. You don't get those until closer to, uh, to the end of the season of Advent. And so, mm-hmm. so people sometimes, why aren't we telling the story about the shepherds and the star and the wise men and all that kind of stuff? But it's because we have another agenda. And that other agenda is preparing ourselves, preparing to be the sign, to be the light as, as a, a signal that the kingdom is coming. So we have, we have the four themes from the first Sunday of Advent we call up to restoration. It is an acknowledgement that something needs to happen, that change needs to happen. Sometimes we come to church and we, we try to pretend like <laughs> the world's not a mess and everything is great. But this is an acknowledgement that says we need a Savior. We have a Savior. Christ is with us, but we're still longing for completion and fulfillment. So we're looking, we're moving up to a restoration. Week two, the title is Stand as a Signal. That comes from Isaiah, and that's our call as the church. We are the sign that we're heading somewhere. The church is the sign. The people of God is the sign that, that Christ is still coming, that the kingdom is still being formed, and we are the sign that it's on the way. And then week three, which is always my favorite week of, of Advent, <laughs> Gaudate Sunday, the Sunday of <laughs> celebration and joy. Uh, yeah. And we listen to that passage from Isaiah that talks about the Lord's highway. And one of my favorite lines from the passage from Isaiah about the Lord's highway is that even fools can find their way. I find such great comfort in that. <laughs> yes. Even the people that don't ask for directions can That's find right. their way. Exactly. That's right. That's right. We're going to get there. We're going to be okay. It is a, a, a word of comfort and promise. And then the the last week of Advent, uh, which is December 18th, a full week before Christmas, because Christmas is on a Sunday, we have that, that call from Isaiah to King Ahaz, ask for the Lord a sign. And Ahaz goes, oh, I don't want a sign. And he goes, I'm giving you one anyway. Here's the sign. So we <laughs> grab a hold of the sign, look for signs. We are called to open our eyes to see that God is at work in the midst of all of that. So so that's our that's our direction. That's our hope. That's the enthusiasm we're trying to build for what's what's coming. So so Lisa, how do, how do we prepare the space for that, and how do we prepare the words for that? What what strikes you as this in this Advent season? I think art, artistically, oh, I mean, when we're thinking about how do we set the space, you know, churches have their traditions, and you know, if they have hanging of the green the first Sunday of Advent, like those traditions matter. They're they're mm-hmm. kind of like. To, to borrow from perhaps Diana's realm, they're kind of a heart song, right? Like living into those traditions is part of how they prepare. And so we don't want to say, don't do those things, you know, don't put the things up if those are part of how you gather together for Advent, because I think Advent is about drawing close in community. But I think we can add to that or maybe shift some of it and think through how do we kind of 
progressively prepare the space as we move through Advent. I I think with the the title of this, you know, an Advent song of ascents and what you've already talked about going up, what does it look like to prepare the altar space or other special spaces in a way that like draws the eye up and we progressively add things as we draw up. So we kind of feel ourselves artistically drawn forward and upward together in worship. So how do, how do you get the, the feeling of movement is part of what you're saying. You exactly. Know, we, we come to the same place week after week uh, right. or, the, or we tune into the same podcast or the broadcast, but, but somehow there's movement. Absolutely. Something is changing. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I remember as a child really getting excited that every week a different banner was going mm. to be hung as we, you know, as we did a little bit of something different, like what? what is this week going to be on the banner? And then, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of predicting ahead and, and looking ahead, like being so excited when the banners were changed to the three wise men after Christmas mm. and in preparation for Epiphany. Those small things can actually have such an impact and really set the space for preparing us all ready for what's going to happen before we even begin worship together. Mm-hmm. And of course, remembering that that our colors, you can play with purples, yes, like we do in Lent, but also we've begun to incorporate blue as a color of Advent. And so, you know, thinking creatively mm-hmm. about how um, you can incorporate more blue and purple into your space, on the altar spaces, you know. If even if that's not something you do throughout the rest of the year, Advent is such a special season and you can really like pull out the stops a little bit thinking mm-hmm. with with different fabrics and different symbols of the season to really like help people know. It's kind of like when you decorate for a, a special season or a birthday party even mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, the space is different. That means that something special is about to happen. Yes. And I think that can be really wonderful for us to think about as we're moving through Advent and then into our Christmas series. I also think one of the things that we tend to provide on a consistent basis in our liturgical resources are communal prayers, and often those prayers are specifically prayers of confession or they are communal prayers that incorporate confession and pardon and repentance. And I always like to think in Advent even if a prayer confession is not something that you're doing every Sunday, seasons like Advent and Lent are just so ready for confession. Like mm-hmm. they're a moment to really stop and say, oh, confession is not about feeling bad. Confession is about naming and mm-hmm. awareness so that we are ready. You know, one of the... in. In, in year A, which we're entering in Advent this year, in year A, at the very end, almost at the very end of year A, we have the parable of the the wise and the foolish bride, bridesmaids mm-hmm. who, who don't have their lamps ready, five don't have their lamps ready, and five are really prepared, and they've got enough oil so they can wait for the bridegroom to come. And I think about confession and repentance as liturgical acts as part of having our lamps ready. 
because mm. we might we might miss something. We might it might be harder to to recognize the Christ child and all the Christ child brings if we haven't t- kind of taken some time to confess what's happening in our lives individually and as a community. And then, oh, we've done this together. We're in this together, which also means we're in repentance together. Mm-hmm. We, it's, we're not just confessing all the hard things and all the things that we wish we hadn't done. We're actually together repenting mm-hmm. so that we're sitting with our lamps ready for when the Christ child comes and ready for all of these stages of, um, of Advent. Yeah, that makes me think about, you know, the because I really hadn't thought that much about um, how Advent can be a great time for confession uh, on a on a regular basis. You know, you, mm-hmm. you think about it, the second Sunday of Advent is usually right. a communion Sunday. So you always have a, a prayer <laughs> confession then. But that confession for me is letting go. And how do you make room for the Christ mm-hmm. child again, but by mm-hmm. creating more space mm-hmm. and by cre- and letting go of stuff? I was with my daughter this past weekend, helping her cull her closet. <laughs> <laughs> and and I said, you know, I think before you bring anything else home, you need to let some of these things go. So there's space to bring more, you know, to bring something new home. It's that same idea. We need to make space. Yes. I love that too, because I think... One of the things that's wonderful about the candle lighting liturgies that we provide for Advent, if you light candles for Advent, is those liturgies are not just week by week, but you'll notice at the end, they progress through hope and peace and joy and love. And we're adding them. We're thinking about not just this is Hope Sunday and this is Peace Sunday, but we're <laughs> we're talking about it as a progression. So I love that, Diana, as thinking about, oh, confession is also making room for those things mm. inside. Like when we confess and repent together, we're making room for hope and we're making room for peace and, yes. and everything. Yes. So I, I, those are some of the candle lighting as well as confession and uh, pardon and repentance are some of the things that I, I think we've, we have resources and also those resources are there for you to tweak and, and, uh, and make your own mm-hmm. for your own space, but in a way that like, Oh, I'm confessing and repenting with this community and with other communities Mm -hmm. in our connection and beyond. And what a beautiful thing that is to remember and to embody in the season of Advent. Yes. Yes. Well, and then, and then when you come to the singing part of that, Mm -hmm. you know, the the singing has to match the mood that we've created with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and sometimes I think we have this feeling that Advent songs are sad and Christmas songs are happy, (laughs) but that's not really the case, you know? Uh, So, so Diana, what, what are the Advent songs that get you excited about the season? (laughs) All of them, Um, (laughs) but but I'll I'll just name a few so we don't have to be here all day, but uh, I wanted to, to pick up on your notes, Derek, at the beginning, uh, you were talking and as you set out the idea of this song of ascents for Advent. And you talked about Psalm 122. I was glad when Mm -hmm. they said unto me, you know, let us go into the house of the Lord. And immediately, probably Lisa, Lisa, you heard it too, the Hubert Perry anthem that was written in 1902 for the coronation of Edward VII. And it has been sung and performed in England 
at, at you know, at uh, royal weddings. And I'm always excited to hear it. It's just a fantastic piece of music. Mm-hmm. And in it, the word painting is wonderful because you, you can hear the climbing happening, the ascending mm. happening in, in the music itself. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a piece to think about for your choir for one of the Sundays in Advent, I Was Glad by Hubert Perry. I like to think about the four weeks having a theme, maybe having that one song that comes back over and over. It doesn't have to be in the same spot. It can be in different uh, spots in the service. But I, I really started thinking about those hymns that were about movement, Mm-hmm. sort of what Lisa was talking about and what, how you've laid this out as well if we're going somewhere during this time of Advent. And so a couple of songs that came to mind is Jesus, the Light of the World. It's a really good gospel kind of song. It's in worship and song. Uh, it'd be a great choir piece, but also one that the congregation can start singing after they've heard it a couple of times. Uh, Very similar to that is Walk in the Light. It's in Zulu as well as in English. Uh, That's also found in worship and song. And and it definitely has this this walking uh, tempo to it so that this rhythm. So, you know, it could be a procession. It could be after the sermon that people get up and walk around as they're (laughs) singing this song. It's very repetitive, but just get that movement going. You know, we don't have to just sit in our, in the pews the whole time. (laughs) We are marching is another one. Sia Hamba, another one from Africa. So those are just some of the songs that came to my mind that would be good thematic songs that are different. And the, and we have four weeks here to, to teach them. Let's see, some other songs that came up during this series. Well, for the second Sunday of Advent, A Place at the Table. I just, that's another really wonderful song from that's found in Worship and Song, that supplement um, that breaks open our idea of everyone is invited to the banquet feast, especially during this time of Advent. And we think of that coming home for, for Advent and Christmas idea. If you wanted to try something that was in another language, Toda la Tierra, uh, which is in Spanish, it's it's a Catalonian carol. All the earth is waiting to to meet the promised one. It's number 230 in the United Methodist Hymnal, another one that has that really wonderful rhythm to it. King of Kings, it's anonymous, but it feels very Jewish in the the flavor of the music. Children know this one. Uh, We've taught it to them before. And and finally, for this second Sunday of Advent, He Came Down from Cameroon. Mm -hmm. It's, again, very short, repetitive, can be done over and over again, can be done while people are walking, maybe during the um, offertories, people are walking up to the altar table. So those are some ideas there. For the third Sunday of Advent, Joy to the World came up as one of those. You mentioned that in your notes, Derek. Uh, Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates, also mm. is referenced for the for the scriptures. Something more contemporary is Forever. 
and also Your Grace is Enough by Chris Tomlin. One of my all-time favorite new songs is Welcome to Our World. Mm-hmm. And that's also found in Worship and Song. So guys, if you're not if you don't have a copy of Worship and Song, I would get a copy of that. You're gonna find a lot of material in there that you can use for the choir. So buy enough copies for the choir. Then you'll also find that the congregation will want to sing along. So uh, that would be my suggestion for that. For the final Sunday of Advent, as you were talking, Lisa, I thought about the anthem, Keep Your Lamps Trimmed and Burning. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> And yes. Andre Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, his wonderful all-time uh, favorite of, of many of us. So that would be good for the uh, for the choir. And then you mentioned a lot about the, the name of Jesus. And so I started playing with all of those songs at the name of Jesus that's in our hymnal. There's something about that name that's the Gaither song that's also in the hymnal. Of course, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. I always used to use that as a call to prayer or as the children came forward for children's time. And uh, oh, yes. And talking about Joseph and uh, you were talking about him as a bystander because he didn't have a huge role to play in the Christmas story, but it was an important role. One was to name Jesus. But uh, there's a, a great song, Joseph, Dearest Joseph Mine. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful, child. It, I think of it as a children's song or a mm-hmm. choir song. That's in the faith we sing. And then finally, my last one, I could talk about these all day. <laughs> Star Child, Star mm. Child. Oh, oh yes, goodness yes. gracious. Uh, Shirley Arena Murray and Carlton Young, one of the best hymns ever. Mm. And, and so if you don't know it, look that one up. Done it so many different ways with the guitar, with flute, choir, congregation, men, women. I mean, there's so many ways to do that one. So Star Child. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> No, you're not done, but you're stopping. I get the difference. <laughs> we could all talk about Advent a whole lot more. That's but, right. But in order oh, to yeah. squeeze in a little bit of conversation about the second half or the other piece that we want to present, we have what we're calling a Christmas series. And the title we gave to it is God of the Dark and the Light. Mm-hmm. It's not a binary. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And that one of the things we're acknowledging in this time is that sometimes God does some of God's best work in the dark. I love that Christmas Eve takes place late at night. I was appointed to churches that didn't have the tradition of 11 o'clock service. I put one in. We got to be there at, at that late night hour. But we pulled together uh, a number of different services some that are are important in other cultures, but we wanted to acknowledge them and and present them. So the series starts with Las Posadas, and we're going to talk a little bit about what what all that is and and how we uh, do it, but it actually has a, it's a larger time frame, but we we set it on December 19th, the day after the last Sunday of Advent, simply because that's how our website works. But it could be done. There's a range of dates that you can do Las Posadas. But it's an acknowledgement of another culture and how they are preparing themselves for the coming of the Christ child. Another service that some churches do is called variously Blue Christmas or the Longest Night Service on December 21st or somewhere around there. It's an opportunity to acknowledge the grief of the season. Sometimes uh, people get the feeling that if you're not happy, then you can't participate in Christmas. And so how do we, how do we lift up folks in, in difficult times? Then of course we have Christmas Eve and, and all the 
uh, that that means from earlier services we do with children to the late night, quiet, reflective services at, at the turn of midnight. And then, as we said earlier on, Christmas Day is a Sunday. So how do we acknowledge that? How do we celebrate that? Do we do things differently than we normally do on a Sunday? Or, or do we just keep the same schedule? How do we create that day? And then we also have a, a, a section for watch night. Watch night is very important in the African-American tradition. It's a, it's a high holy day. And so we, we have some resources in there for watch night. And then, of course, uh, New Year's Day is also on a Sunday as well. So, so we put some information in there. And so we, we gathered all these things together saying, God is at work in these special services. Let's pay attention. Does it mean you have to do them all? No, it's up to you. As Lisa was saying, you have your traditions. Maybe you add something new this year. Maybe you'll take one of these services and, and do something with them. But how can we kind of tie them all together? Sometimes we think of the Christmas season as piecemeal. Well, we'll do this for those folks and we'll do that for those folks over there. But maybe there's a way of saying we're all one community and we have different ways or different approaches to this celebration of this grand event. So Lisa, what strikes you about, about all of these services? <laughs> what I love about kind of looking at this very broadly is however it is that you're you're doing these, you're getting so many resources and opportunities to think about how do I actually embody my faith and my belief and our communal identity as worshipers of the God of dark and light. Mm -hmm. Like I think we have really played with that in some really striking ways. I'm particularly drawn to the ways that Las Posadas and Blue Christmas kind of take us out of routine. They take mm -hmm. us out of the days we're used to being at church, but they are providing us some some important ways to at least think about, if not actually embody, like what does it mean to be doing the work of faith in the dark? I'm particularly drawn to something about Blue Christmas, which is that we, we end the church year, we come to the near end of the church year with All Saints Day, right, at mm -hmm. the beginning of November, but then we have this moment at Blue Christmas where we're kind of almost bookending something where in All Saints we are celebrating the saints. In Blue Christmas, we are acknowledging our own grief as those who are still here and how important mm -hmm. that is for us to do the work of faith in the dark together mm -hmm. in Blue Christmas. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, in Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, in Watch Night and New Year's Day, we really get this chance to do work in the dark and work in the light. You know, liturgy is that public work. We're working in the dark and the light when these two days next to each other. And, you know, acknowledging that that may not be what you actually have the energy and resources <laughs> to do in your communities, but thinking through what does it mean then if we don't do if specific, you know, particularly if you if you don't do watch night, but you incorporate some of those ideas into New Year mm -hmm. into New Year's Day, how are we acknowledging the work of the dark and the light together as we move into the new year? And how does it change our approach to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? Because most churches will end up doing something on both days. Mm -hmm. How does it change the approach that we 
welcome the coming of the Christ child, perhaps on, you know, at the end of Christmas Eve or in the midst of Christmas Eve, but then we live as people of the Christ mm-hmm. child mm-hmm. in Christmas day. Um, for that, I want a, a unique offering that we have is an affirmation of faith that, that we've pulled for Christmas day. And it's kind of effort. It's affirmation around like worshiping the, the child of the light, Jesus, the child of the light. And that could be such a, a unique way to kind of acknowledge this pairing of days and mm-hmm. what it means to come into the light, but also God is still working in the dark mm-hmm. in so many places. I'm, I'm drawn to Celtic Christianity mm-hmm. and, and, and how they have approached that. And one of the things important to the Celtic tradition is the threshold, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the borderline between dark and light, between yeah. night and day and all those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And so, like you say, Lisa, we have two opportunities, two weeks in a row to live yeah. on that borderline, to, to cross over that threshold. And whichever side we stand on when we gather together for worship, we can we can look to the other and, and touch that that threshold a little bit and bring both of those elements in there together. Yeah. I think it's just such a holy opportunity because we live in so many of those thresholds Mm -hmm. day to day. Right. But how often do we get to do it as a community? Um, And, and how does that not just create a holy moment in that time, but actually give us tools and a sense of togetherness that we need for resilience and the ability to move forward when we're in those thresholds throughout the year together. I think that's really important, that community aspect of that. One of the reasons why, to go back to our opening conversation about Christmas on Sunday, one of the reasons why we surrender is because it's become a family day. You go off and do your own thing there. Mm -hmm. Family is great. I love family. I love being together with family. But there's something about the whole body. And so even Mm. if you say, well, we've got all these services that we can't meet again, create something so that we can say we're together with the the larger body of Christ. Even if I may be in my own home, go back to the virtual idea that we did during the pandemic and say, say, we're going to connect for a few moments in the midst of that too, to something bigger than just the people who live in my house. You know, Mm. we're we're Mm -hmm. seeing beyond that, which is why I love to talk about congregational hymns almost more than than choir hymns choirs can help us and can lift us and all that but but what am i going to sing what are we going to sing together diana that's that's part of what i want to focus on yeah absolutely and and we have to remind ourselves and i think most most church musicians know this that the the great choir is the congregation Mm -hmm. the 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 chancel choir or sanctuary choir whatever they're called or cherub choir if it's the little ones (laughs) uh, you know they're the ones there to help they've had a little extra rehearsal than Mm -hmm. the congregation has had but the great choir is the congregation it's it's all about supporting and um nurturing and helping them sing these words and you know it's it's such a tremendous responsibility when we choose songs because we're putting words in people's mouths Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that those are just what what we want to say what, what what our witness is going to be during this season of Advent and Christmas. What are we saying? What are we agreeing to? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so those are really important. Going back to that first Sunday of uh, or first offering in this God of light and dark and light, Las Posadas, 
you know, that comes from my cultural tradition, the the Latin American tradition. I grew up in San Antonio and Las Posadas was a big thing in for the mm-hmm. cathedral mm-hmm. downtown. And so they, there would be mariachis. And as you said, it it's longer, it, it's a different time span that we've put here. But knowing that most churches who's for whom this is not their tradition might do it a little differently and that's okay mm-hmm. you know take take this and and make it work for your congregation but the original was uh from December 16th through the December 24th it's an every night mm-hmm. walk with Mary and Joseph as they're looking for lodging posada comes from the noun posar and posad is to lay or to rest. So you're look they're looking for a place to lay or to rest. And so there's so there's so many nights, so there's Las Posadas, and that's how that name came about. Mm. I've seen this done in other in churches in one evening, not over several, where different people are stationed in different Sunday school classrooms. And then the congregation comes through and they're following Mary and Joseph and knocking on different doors. And they knock on the door and somebody opens the door and then they, you know, have a little exchange, a little song is sung and they say, no, there's no room here. So they walk on to the next door. So that's that's the way you can, you know, make it smaller and more Mm -hmm. doable in one evening. And then at the end, when there is finally the place to rest, there's a piñata, you know, so Mm -hmm. and there's a. Buñuelos and all the wonderful things that you want to eat and drink, chocolate. So, <laughs> so yeah, you can you can make this your own, and um, I think it's delight a delightful way for children to live into the story themselves. What about the people who feel like, well, that's not my culture? You said you grew up with that, and so you understand that. But, mm-hmm. but so many of our listeners, you know, they said we've never done that before, and so am I stealing from someone else? How do I, how do I genuinely observe this this event? You know, I've been asked that question not only about this, but but about singing African American spirituals or uh, songs mm-hmm. from China or or from Africa the the it we have to have the right intention and that is to grow and to be in community mm-hmm. and so once we explain that where this comes from and give honor to that then it is it's an open time to live into it and experience it in your community. I would, you know, if you have a Spanish teacher in your high school or some students that speak Spanish, you know, it'd be good to bring them mm-hmm. in and invite them as honored guests to help. Mm-hmm. But if that's not available, it doesn't mean you can't do it. But again, the, the idea is that you say where this comes from and give homage to that tradition. And then, yes, then experience it together. I think that's that's how we learn to be family across the globe. And I believe that's what God wants for us. Amen. Yeah. That's great. So what else? What else do we sing? We get probably should wrap this up pretty quick here. But, yeah, yeah. But. I think you're right. You know, I didn't I didn't offer a lot of other suggestions because as Lisa was saying, both of you were saying, we have traditions in our churches. Mm-hmm. You know your repertoire from your church. You know what they want to sing. Yeah, it's good to challenge them and I've been I'm putting some things out there for you to challenge you in terms of music. But 
when we get down to Christmas, it is about coming home. It is, especially you think about those college students or your children that are now married that are coming back. They want to hear some of the familiar things mm-hmm. and that that is home to them. And I would never negate that. So especially on on Christmas Day, on a Sunday, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> do, right. do two yeah. or three yeah. medleys really of familiar. all of those great yeah. songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like wearing pajamas and singing your pajamas kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So just be, be brought at home. Well, these resources are already available. The All of the things that we've talked about are there, and we hope that you'll, you'll spend some time doing Uh, reading over that. And as always, all of our resources are there to spark your imagination so that you can contextualize it and make it fit your setting. We really appreciate that that you spent some time with us and we look forward to to helping you. If you have further questions about any of those resources or want to hear the whole list of songs that Diana had that she (laughs) refrained from sharing, then get in touch with us and we will be glad to share that. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this has been helpful to you. And you can always find more information at the website, umcdiscipleship.org. And so send us an email directly, ask some questions, push us a little bit, and, and we'll be happy to share a little bit more. We can always talk about Advent and Christmas time. But until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.